0: I am joined by Nikki Leslie, a HIV awareness activist. Hello, Nikki.
2: Hi, Samantha. thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all good. Thank you. you
0: you're looking very glam. I mean, this is a podcast. People can't see you, but I feel like
2: <laughs> I, know, for the but lockdown, I knew I was going to be able to see my face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're on zoom. So I, I, I appreciate your, yeah. I look <laughs> horrific. So thank you for, at least I can look at your face. Um, So welcome to the Divorce Club. You're not officially divorced,
2: are you? No, I've never been married um, myself. (laughs) But I have had um, some quite long-term relationships that I would say, um, once they've ended, has felt a bit like a divorce. Um, Definitely from what I've heard from people and how they describe their feelings after divorce, I can definitely, um, you know sympathize with their feelings a lot.
0: Yeah and that's why I wanted to I think open the podcast up a bit because I started off because I'm getting divorced with just divorced people and actually so many of the listeners who can relate to so many of the stories aren't divorced themselves and maybe have just come out of a really tough uh, breakups or long-term relationships. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to fill us in a little bit about um, one of your because I think you've got a couple to talk about but um yeah. one of your <laughs>
2: difficult well the two they're actually quite close together and I feel like they were close together because of the frame of mind that I was in kind of around that time um so the first one was in 2015 um I was dating this guy when I used to be a dancer who was on like cruise ships and I was just dating like someone that I met out there Um we was kind of getting serious but not too serious but you know it was like it was fun we was away from home and it was all fun and games you know you, get, you do get caught up in that holiday romance so it was moving at a steady space um, and then I got quite sick throughout that relationship and I just couldn't figure out for the life of me like what was wrong kept going to the doctors they were saying you know nothing's wrong we can't find anything until one day they suggested that they test for HIV and I was like no chance you know I would know. Um, and it turned out the guy I was dating was HIV positive about telling me um, wasn't on medication either and of course it had passed on to me um, so I was then sent home from my work contract um, you know within 12 hours and it was kind of like I have to like deal with that kind of bombshell. Um, so to speak and you know in some ways I did deal with it quite well I got on my medications and I got my vitals under control quite quickly um, but I definitely put on a brave face to the outside world about being okay with it where inside I don't think I was you know even like the way I got it I like being lied to in a relationship whether it was a long term or short term relationship, so I was lied to and you just don't expect that and then you know it's affected me kind of for the rest of my life you know I don't know I'm an activist and I'm like you don't need to let it affect you but ultimately it does change some parts of your life minimal but some parts um and dealing with that is definitely a long journey um and it didn't happen overnight
0: (laughs) how was that moment because not only Were you lied to by someone that you were, you know, building a relationship and trusting? You're also diagnosed with this new to you condition and you lose your job all at the same time.
2: Yeah. Um, So that's what I'm talking about. You know, that was such a change for me. You know, suddenly I had a 36 hour flight home because I was in um, Asia with like the layovers and missed flights and whatnot it just took me so long to get home I remember getting home and seeing my family and just absolutely breaking down um because one of exhaustion just you know I just felt so gutted like I'd lost I was having such a good time and like, you know what I mean you know when you deal with like when I've spoken to people that have got the start like, they're grieving like the loss of a relationship and I was grieving the loss of a relationship of so much of someone that I didn't instantly hate I couldn't instantly hate them like you know they had their own journey they had their own you know holdbacks of dealing with their status so I couldn't hate them for that I know I now know how hard it can be um so I just felt a bit lost um I didn't hate anyone I wanted to because I think it would have made it a lot easier if somebody you know could fuel that hatred, and I could like put my anger into that. But like, there was, I just like was very just angry with it, and having nowhere to go.
0: And I think it's so interesting that you say that you didn't, you couldn't hate him. I think a lot of people might, you know, someone yeah. that you are meant to trust has essentially lied to you by omission. Um, but what was that moment like for you? That diagnosis moment, like, how did it come about?
2: Um, so I was on the onboard medical center, um, which, you know, they do well, but you know, their resources are limited. Um, and I was just sat with the doctor who works on board, you know, who I've made friends with, you know, by going to like, the bars around the ship and whatnot, you know, it wasn't just a doctor. It was actually someone I socialized with. Um, and what made it worse was the upset that I could see from them. Um, And yeah, it was just like the ground had been pulled from beneath me. And I just felt, I felt like it was the end. I don't know, that's really dramatic. But I, I actually didn't know a lot about HIV then. So my instant thinking was, how long have I got? And I know that's so crazy to hear from a gay man in 2020, well, then 2015. But I honestly did not know a lot about it. And, you know, that's like shameful for me. To not not have educated myself prior and that's why I've taken to being such an activist and you know promoting it promoting healthy living with it because I just think more people should know what it's like to actually really live with it in this day and age
0: yeah you mentioned shame there i think it is it's such a difficult word and i think it's you know there's a lot of shame bandied around Especially, I know, from my friends in the gay community and the LGBTQ plus community. And I think it's interesting that you felt shame that you didn't know. But
2: Yeah, I feel like shame is definitely like a feeling that sticks with the community. You know, like growing up, I definitely did feel ashamed of being gay, especially growing up in a small village in Essex. You know, (laughs) it wasn't so much the norm. I mean, I guess it wasn't anywhere, you know. Off that area you know I'm 30 now so when I was growing up things were very different back then to what they are now um, and I think feeling ashamed sticks with us and I know for me and for a lot of other people um, you kind of um, gay people sorry you kind of find validation in other people's eyes um, so like I came into my young adulthood you know searching not always for love but like just to feel like wanted and to make me not feel ashamed of who I was and I think that really sticks around a lot for um people like myself and then when something like getting a diagnosis happens you put all the shame on yourself which is why I didn't really blame him I was like instantly like I should have done better because I feel like that's definitely a feeling that resonates in my community that we should be doing more or should be knowing more should be out there more do you know what I mean like yeah not hiding more not not being educated and knowing everything about the world and when we grew up you know being very sheltered from our real world so I just feel like in that moment I was like oh god I missed that M- missed that up do you know what I mean so
0: and, but do you think, do you still feel that way? Do you still think you should have educated yourself or should we be looking to, like, institutions and, you know, education in schools?
2: Yeah, what I wish now is that the information was more readily available. Um, because there's so much information out there about it, that you really have to search for it. <laughs> um like for me for example i take one tablet a day um and that keeps me so stable i can't pass it on you can't even detect it if you do like a fingerprint test you can't find it like that you have to do like a full-on drawing blood from the arms and send it off for a proper test to see how much is running through your body which is like amazing i can't even pass it on um but like a lot of people didn't know that including myself and um you know, there's like family members that have stopped speaking to me because they can't understand that it's moved on so much from the 80s or, you know, when, it, when the pandemic first came out. Um, and I just feel like, you know, if there's been this much of a medical breakthrough, no one's mind should be of the mindset of 30 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, it should be well known by every single person in the world, like it was back then, how infectious it is, of how livable and how manageable it is now. And unfortunately, it's not.
0: Yeah. And I guess that, you know, the opinion of HIV a lot of people will have is like from that, you know, Tom Hanks film. Is it Tom Hanks? Yeah. Um, Philadelphia. And, you know, in the media, which is always sort of well it's outdated now and it's also portraying a lot of the time you know worst case scenario and over dramatizing it all and I think we don't hear about day-to-day life of living with HIV
2: and unless you go into like a very specialist charities website um you won't really see healthy people like myself you know being and living and living with it you just kind of see like a as you said, outdated, more medical side of it. <laughs> I would say you don't actually, I'm not, I'm not trying to glamorize it at all. It's just, you know, I sometimes forget now that I even have it. Like taking my tablet in the morning with my breakfast, it's like such a, I don't know, it's just a run out of meal kind of thing now. <laughs> and I know it's just done now. Um, I would just wish people could see more people like myself. <laughs> and not have to search so hard to find it because it is out there the information is there but you know not enough and I maybe would have felt differently in that moment if I saw more people like the person I've become
0: yeah definitely I think it's it's um really inspiring that you've taken this experience and you're now talking openly about it because like you said, you know, someone in your experience having seen you and followed you on Instagram in that moment might not think this is the end like you did. No. Which is an amazing thing. And
2: like for a, for a year, I silenced it completely. Like I, I went on the uh, medications and I'd done what I could to get myself healthy, but just didn't tell anyone. And then it got to a year later and I just decided to write a blog <laughs> and um, shared the blog. And then we've seen all the comments of, like, love, I was getting back. And I guess that goes into that validation I spoke about before. But also I just saw how much it was getting shared. And, like, I had some random people message me saying, you know, thank you for sharing this. You've made me feel better about myself. And I was like, well, how about how about I do more of that? And, like, even if I just reach, like, one person who's just been diagnosed and they know that it's not. I thought it was then I'm doing a good job and that's when I started to approach charities and say like hey I'd love to take part in videos I'd love to tell my story a bit more um and the more I do it like it just you know everyone says talking about things just really helps um and you know being open and not holding back just really helped me
0: yeah definitely and so can you take us through what happened so you had that diagnosis on the cruise ship from a doctor but also your friend which I can't imagine that situation and and then what happened from then you said you were sent home but did you get to see your partner of the time after the diagnosis? Yes
2: so of course we were working together so I had to pack up all my stuff, and you know, my flight was in twelve hours after I found out. I said goodbye to all the cast. Again, um, again, I didn't tell anyone what was actually going on, apart from him. Um And that's when I kind of found out.
0: So, did you know? Did you know on the diagnosis that it was from? him or did you not work that
2: out so the reason sorry I think I might have got jumbled up the reason why I got the test in the first place is he suggested I got a test um because he was like I am but I'm on meds however his meds were herbal medications not prescribed medications which in his head he was fine and then it wasn't until he saw me being sick it was like what have I done? Um, which was why I was then like, I can't be angry at him because he's not really dealt with it himself. Like, what's the use in making someone feel worse when they're already feeling bad about it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to hit someone when they're down. They thought they were doing okay, but they actually weren't. Um,
0: wow, I'm angry for you. <laughs> You're being very nice about it. A lot it. of
2: people, a lot of people were um, that I eventually told, but. You know, I still speak to him now on occasion just to like check how he is. And, um, another good point to mention as well, when he saw me start taking my medication and like just being being healthy, I came back, I eventually came back to that ship as well. Um, and finished out the contract, which was a year and a half contract. You know, I then discovered a gym and I was working out loads and I was taking my vitamins and I was eating healthily. And he was like, I want to be like you. I want to deal with it the way you are. Um, and I feel like that could have had a completely opposite reaction had I just been angry at him, because it can lead to all sort of, you know, mental health trauma and you know, whatever else. So, does feel like, you know, what's the point in pointing fingers? You know, that's so true. It, it, it was what it it was what it was. I couldn't change what had happened. I could just try and make myself a better version.
0: Wow. So how was that process for you because you said you sort of kept it quiet for about a year when you got home yeah
2: yeah
0: was you know on the pod on the the podcast we talk a lot about breaking your divorce to people and their reaction but how was breaking your news to people about your HIV status and their reaction
2: so I purposely waited to tell you know the majority of people and like you know really go out there when I was in a really healthy state you know like looking healthy mentally maybe I wasn't but definitely on the outside you know I was working out I was bulking up I was being healthy I was you know looking healthy I was looking good <laughs> Um I purposely waited for that long and then I purposely waited until like all my vitals were really really good and then I explained to it um there's a lot of tears that's where a lot of the anger from other people came, especially from people like my mum, uh, and my best friends. Definitely, were angry at him as well, even though they didn't know him, but like, angry. Um, m- crazily, like my mum took it the best than anyone else. Um, I'm not sure why, but she knew all about being undetectable, which is where you can't pass it on. She knew all about the medications you can take. She knew. She knew, you know what I wish I (laughs) knew when I got diagnosed she was absolutely amazing um she cried with me she was like you know do you need me to come to the doctors with you I was like no it's all fine that's under control um a few people didn't take it very well um my dad being one of them when he found out he was like uh you know I always thought, what was his words? I always thought you were stupid, but I didn't know you were stupid enough to go and get yourself a life sentence. Um And I was like, oh, actually, you know, it's changed a bit now. It's not like that. You know, people are very healthy and can, you know, live with it and move on with it. Um And I guess that's much like when people tell their parents they're getting to they're like, oh, you know, didn't think he was that stupid to not make a marriage work you know that kind of feeling of letting your parents down
0: yeah I think that the judgment of other people judgment, is sometimes yeah. so hard to deal with and you know that is quite a harsh thing for your dad to say how did you how did that feel in that moment
2: yeah I did try to educate him um and what I found you know there's some people you just cannot educate at all and he's very of the mindset that like i'll be there when you die early and say i told you so um again that's a quote from him but um, yeah we don't have a relationship now anymore but that was that kind of the only negative feedback i got um really um Apart from one time I was like dating someone, we were only dating, we went on like two or three dates and I ended up telling them, you know, before anything kind of happened sexually, my status um, and they kind of like threw me out of their house saying, I never want to see you again. And then at first I thought, oh God, really annoyed. But then I was like, you know what? He'll find out. <laughs> there was that in that moment i was like this isn't my battle like i'm not going to educate it and stress myself out by trying to educate him he is living in london and he's a gay man he will find out and like, as much as i wish that i could have educated him um maybe he educated himself after from a little bit so i did tell him but yeah i wasn't gonna try and sleep over that but apart from them too there was like really no negative kind of people or comments coming back to me which actually shocked me so that all that shame that I did feel a year ago I needed not because everyone was so okay and that shocked me a lot um it's always when we do do like a HIV campaign some people do comments comments saying oh all these guys look sick but I we don't <laughs> but like people just instantly want to comment something like that I and mean, you know trolls on the keyboard warriors and whatever but like not gonna let that get to me but oh, like, everyone's really really cool with it um and just want to learn I've taught so many people about medication and about how easy it is to get tested and just about how it is nowadays um as opposed to like I do come from a big family so I've got like quite a lot of people to educate <laughs> um <laughs> and they may have not have understood exactly all the ins and outs when I told them but you know it's been nice to like pass my knowledge over to people and then everywhere I've worked I've been very open about it and people ask me about my medication and how I am and how my vitals are and it's all very interesting. Like even my cousin, I was just with her last week before the lockdown and I was educating her and she's a nurse. <laughs> you know, I just assumed that all nurses would know so much about it, but she didn't. She was like, I have no idea what the medications are. I no idea how they work. So we sat, of why, and I got of fly, and I'm telling her all about it. <laughs> and I like being that person. I like passing on my knowledge and I just wish I'd met someone that could have passed that knowledge on to me beforehand.
0: That's so nice that you're you know, you're so positive about it and kind of educating people, which is so nice. But I think it's it's interesting talking about the kind of burden as well of the education because I have hearing loss um, and I wear a hearing aid in one ear and I spoke to some a deaf person recently and we were talking about you know, the burden of education is quite often with us to tell people, yeah. you know, yeah. what life is like living with a hearing aid or being deaf. And and it sounds like, you know, you are, are educating all the people around you, which is amazing. But it must be quite a burden to feel, you know, you said about that guy who chucked you out. Like, I wish I could have educated him.
2: Yeah, and in that moment, I think it would have felt like a burden because I wasn't in that moment. I wouldn't have been doing it. I would have kind of been doing it for forgiveness. If I was to educate him, and I had nothing to be forgiven for um so in like moments like that, yeah it does feel like a, oh, for goodness sake, not enough one that doesn't pay okay. um but then I can't judge him because that's me five years ago, I didn't know anything about it, and i I'm who's to say that like in different circumstances, I may have reacted the same I don't know, you know, I reacted the way I did because it was too late for me. <laughs> But would I say the way, given the option? I can't sit here and say for sure. How can I possibly know how I would have reacted? Um, but yeah, in them moments, it can can feel like a bit of a burden. Um, it gets to the point where I'm like, ah, oh, why don't people know? <laughs> why isn't the information there? Like even since I've had it, you know, medical medicine has come on and it's changed, and they're trying injections and instead of tablets, and it's just annoying that it's not readily available to everyone to know this information.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to ask you what resources are out there and I will ask you in a minute, but I also feel like I shouldn't ask you that. I would hope that everyone listening will just go on the internet and Google. you know, because it's all there and they can find out more and approach a lot of HIV charities. Is there any, I mean, I will ask you because we're talking about it, but is there any charities in particular that you've worked with that you think do a particularly good job that people could check out?
2: Um, So I work a lot with the GMFA um, charity, um, gay Men's Health Charity, who are just fantastic I just, and I think they're fantastic because they're very personable it's quite a small charity so anyone that gets in contact with them you know really does get um, more personalised reply um, and I just think like the work that they're doing there and the resources that they put on their website and the updated information they put on their website is so amazing I just feel like more people need to you know visit the smaller charities that are sometimes doing a lot of their like, work.
0: Yeah definitely and well, I'm sure we're all going to check them out and follow them on social media. I I want to talk a bit more about your relationships as well after that, because, you know, just like I talk to people about coming out of divorce, and when I've come out of my divorce, and I'm trying to approach new relationships, you carry a lot of things from that old relationship. So what's it been like for you, obviously, having this kind of someone who lied to you, and then it's become uh, a changing point in your life. How do you face new relationships after that experience?
2: Yeah, so like, as I mentioned, like coming out of that and pretty much growing up all through my teens, there's always that underlying feeling of shame. And like, in some cases, to put it frank, I kind of felt after that, I've got HIV now. Not a lot of people are going to want me and I know that was like a weird thing to think because I was dealing with it but as I said on the outside I was but deep inside it was just like oh who's gonna love me now kind of thing and something that like gay people not all but definitely me growing up I was so craving to be loved for who I was and then like who I was suddenly had this like dent in it so like who's gonna love that um and I think it definitely walked around with that emotion and it stuck with me.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh
2: Although I was trying hard to not let it be shown, people do pick up on these energies. And then the relationship I got into after that was very reflective of how I was feeling. Um, I was vulnerable. And when you're feeling like you're not really letting in the best kind of people, if you're feeling like you're shameful, if you're feeling like you're not worthy, you're going to attract people that are going to like home in on that kind of thought and the person I ended up with then um just not a very nice person um really and it was quite a dysfunctional um relationship but I stuck around because I was like this is what I get now do you know what I mean
0: yeah that I can so relate to that and it and it's you know when you said this is what I get now like, it that hit me because I can definitely, obviously my experiences are, are, are very different, but I've definitely felt that feeling of this is this is all I deserve. And I think I felt that in my marriage, actually, when it wasn't going well. I was like, well, this is just it. I've just got to put up with it.
2: Yeah, make your dues. This is what you've got. Um, because deep down, there was a little bit of hatred for myself. So I was like, if this person's going to treat me, you know, one percent then I'm like I should be thankful for that when really that's not how anyone should feel in any in any way whatsoever um and then that relationship went very sour very bad and then I remember like complaining about it to my friends when I'd just gotten out of that relationship and I was like oh got HIV and then this bad thing happened and this bad thing happened and they were like you need to just like stop dwelling on the things I was like shit happened you need to get over it and for a while you know my best friend said that to me and I kind of like resented her for saying it for a while because I was like you have no idea how it feels (laughs) but then I think I really listened to that deep down and it stuck with me I was like shit does happen but it doesn't mean that you have to like crumble and be this weak piece of shit person that takes all that and you have to build yourself up and you have to be the best version of yourself and it's not about being strong it's not about being weak it's just about being you and knowing what you deserve really um so yeah definitely in them moments i hated her for saying that but that was probably the best advice that she could have given me was shit happens <laughs> 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 um you know what i mean like you don't deserve that but like shit happens um and then i started changing the way i looked at everything that had happened um a lot and i was like you know what i didn't get HIV because i'm a bad person i didn't get it i just got it it had nothing to do with me being good it had nothing to do with me being bad i didn't i didn't do anything to deserve it it just it's just one of them things and i can't walk around feeling hatred for myself or the shame and i then started being a bit more unapologetic me i like to say um and I just started being open and honest about so much and it's so freeing, you know, just to, like, really just say what you think in so many walks of life, you know, whether it's about, you know, complimenting someone on the street, you know, it brightens something the makes like, you feel good or, you know, if someone has hurt you, just speaking to them about it and just being so honest and frank and I've started to, like, not keep anything inside anymore. And when I'm having a hard time or I'm having a good time, I'm just so honest about it and that's something that I've taken from me from all them situations
0: and I think that's such a great thing to come out of some not nice things and I think you know you had those two very difficult in different ways relationships what was uh, other than being honest and you said about working out and eating well what kind of pulled you out of that difficult space do you think what made you you know, unapologetic you that you are now, and and just I'm thinking if anyone else is listening and they're in a similar space, you know what might work for them.
2: Yeah, so after that second relationship, as I said, was really toxic. Um, my workplace gave me um, therapy that they paid for me to go for. It was like an eight week course, which I don't think is enough, but it's like yeah, it is a great stepping stone. Um, it was that really and then at the end of that eight week course I kind of had a better understanding of how to deal with my emotions um and then you hit rock bottom again like a few months later I always think these like six to eight weeks it tops you up but then you go straight back down and then that's exactly what happened with me like I was up and then like I was quite down after that you know coming out of that toxic relationship I was um self-medicating a lot back then as well. Um, Which I don't recommend. That's not me recommending, by the way. Um, But that's what I was going through at that moment. And then it ended up me being at my lowest of my lows with a failed suicide attempt. And then I woke up and I had a call from a cruise ship saying, we need a replacement. Can you come in two days? And I was like, I'm definitely not strong enough to do this right now, but yes. And I went. And I got on the plane, and I remember stepping off the plane in Miami. And for the first time that year, I just felt so strong. Even though I was probably at my weakest, because I had stopped working out, I had been self-medicating, I'd done what I'd done. Um, I was like, I'm going to get better. And then suddenly, like something sw- switched in me. And I, that's when I started being honest about everything. I remember making friends with people at that cruise ship or in my cast. And I've been honest about the year that I've had the times that I've gone through what's what happened recently I was like don't offer me a sip of alcohol I'm not taking it um and I just started being like this is why and everyone you just started to see the respect that people had for you when you could just be that honest person
0: that's amazing
2: yeah and on the back of that I would definitely because what I done then was I paid privately for counselling um even though I was on the ship I was like phoning home like we are now you know facetime zooms um and i was just doing it that way because i wanted to stick with the person i had that eight week stint with um and i'm always like people will buy themselves a new pair of shoes or people buy themselves a new something they don't need but no one would invest in a week's one one once a week therapy calls or you know once every two weeks whatever um and i think that everyone really needs it no matter how set you are I think everyone can benefit from just talking openly and honestly to someone that won't judge them.
0: I totally agree. And we've talked a lot about uh, counselling and therapy at the Divorce Club, and it's helped so many people. And I still see a counsellor. I've had lots of counsellors in my life. I saw one when my dad died and one immediately after I broke up with my ex and I'm seeing a counsellor weekly at the moment and yeah it just
2: like strike while the iron's hot isn't it like you said as soon as you broke up with your ex you've done it immediately I think it's so important to like when these big things happen in our life like a breakup or a death like do it Go and see someone and don't let it build up inside you. Don't let the shame build up inside you because that's when it's going to cause problems in the future.
0: Yeah, and if someone is listening and they're in that place that you said you were when you had that failed suicide attempt um, and maybe they can relate to some of your story, is there anything that you'd say to that person or even, you know, if you imagine it was you at that time?
2: Just... I know it's so easy to say, but just don't do it. <laughs> like, there's so much out there, there's so much you still got to give. Um, it's not your time to go. Um, just keep reaching out to your friends because they are wanting to help. They might not know how to help, but like, just go and sit with them and talk and say, No, you will listen to me. Um, I wish I made my friends listen to me more because I would start to talk to them and they would be like, Oh no, you're fine, you're so strong, you don't need to worry about it. You know, come on. And I wish in their moments, I wish I sat them down and be like, "I'm not feeling strong right now." I wish I sat with them and was like, "No, just listen to me. Like, this is how I'm feeling," instead um, of letting them make me believe, "Oh no, I'm fine." And they're like, "It's a very English thing, isn't it? Like, sweep under the carpet." <laughs> that thing like, that's not. Um, but I wish in them moments, I was as like forward and blunt with it. Now i be like, "No, we need to talk," <laughs> um, and if they don't listen. Someone will. There's so many charities, so many places you can turn to, helplines, just find one of them, find someone, and they will talk to you. Yeah,
0: I think that's great advice. And I think it's so true that people, you automatically go, Oh, hi, how are you? And you go, Yeah, fine. And recently, I've been really trying to stop myself from going, Yeah, fine, and actually think for a moment, How am I? and try and give an honest answer because I think when I was at my lowest, you know, at the end of my marriage and I have anxiety as well. And my dad had died and I had just got hearing aid and was trying to deal with like, you know, me being this new part of the deaf community. And I didn't know what that meant. And I think I I was on the face of it, like, yeah, everything's fine. And I think afterwards, all my friends um were quite surprised that, I wasn't fine at that time because I wasn't opening up and I was putting that Instagram sheen on everything.
2: The highlight reel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: how do you pro- approach new relationships now after going through all of that? Are you still looking for love? Do you hope to get married one day?
2: Um, well, now it's five years on. Obviously a lot has changed <laughs> in that time. As I said, I went on that ship, got myself back to being healthy and, um, just loving myself a bit more, really. After that, I definitely came back from that ship with a lot of love for myself. And then I started working for like a club in um, a private women's club in London. Who were then crying back up the ladder there, and it was fun. Um, and I started meeting new people there, um, and from meeting new people, I met who I live with now. <laughs> um, so I'm in a very like healthy relationship now um, with someone that like we know how to talk to each other, how to communicate with each other. Um, and what's important is he lets me be sad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because like, I, I know it sounds weird to like be with someone that lets you be sad, but he lets me do it. Because for so long, you're with people that won't let you explore their feelings, and we you know, you just silence them. But like, we definitely have a great communication with, within each other. Um, I actually knew him from about four years ago, so he kind of saw the kind of breakdown here but from afar as like a distant friend. And then we kind of met up again, okay, well, about a year and a half ago now. And we, he was just like, I don't know how you done it back then. Um, and it was like the first kind of relationship I've been in where I can just say everything I feel. <laughs> um, marriage, not for me. Um, what more do I need to do to prove that I'm with someone I like can live together? we have got a life together. i share my life with him. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like there's healthy relationships out there for everyone. Um, and I found mine so like hold on
0: (laughs) that's so nice it gives us all hope I'm I'm looking for exactly what (laughs) you've got so yeah and and how did you approach you know obviously your partner had seen you during you know that recovery time but how did you approach you know your HIV status with new people and with him
2: yeah well as I said when I started like dating people when I've suddenly had this, like, love for myself. I'm sorry, I'm i was very honest, I'd either tell them on the first or second date. Um, very rarely it would get to, like, a third or fourth. But, like, I think it's important when it is something that is not big but is a big thing. Um, you've got to be honest with it. Like, why let someone invest if they're really against it? Why let it get to, like, a different stage when it's never going to go to that stage? And there's been times where, as I said, it's got to, like, an educational friend zone or... It hasn't and that's been fine. Um, but why be it around the bush? It works, when people are just honest about it, you know, it does start with you. Um, everyone needs to get tested, more people that get tested, you can find it quicker. The quicker you find it, quicker you can get a medication. Quicker than a medication, you can't spread it. Do you know what I mean? So um if I'm out there telling everyone so open and honesty, hopefully they will then be like, Well you know what, maybe I will go and get tested myself and then just staying on top of it and kind of.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I know from going for STD tests. For me, the HIV blood test has has always been the scariest one. But I think you know, hearing and and obviously we want to keep infections down. But hearing from you and and your experience definitely, you know, makes me want to keep ticking that extra box for the blood test. You know what I mean? And and I think it is really important. Is there anything you'd want? to tell someone who maybe doesn't know anything about HIV or is avoided being tested for it or thinks it's uh, the end of the world if they were to, and the end of their
2: life if they were to get it. Yeah, just telling them, like, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Like, if you've got it, we'll deal with it. There's people that will help you. You're not alone. There's so many people in the world that are living with it and living healthily. Look at me. Look at all the other people that are. We're managing. Um, if you struggle, you're going to get help.
0: Yeah. And, and could you, what were your symptoms? Because you said you were sick. Um, if anyone's worried oh God, that they might yeah. have the symptoms.
2: So I had. The worst night sweats like where I'd wake up and I was like, I there been a week in my room, my bed was absolutely soaking, um had no energy, my limbs were swollen, um blurry vision worse headaches, fatigue, just really, really not well, didn't look well either. Um and then of course I was going to the medical centre and I like testing for everything. But obviously with that they can't just test the HIV without permission, so they weren't tested for that. They're like, we can't find anything. Um and I actually collapsed during the show, <laughs> which um was like the key point that I'm really not healthy. Um and yeah. So there are them signs that you can look at. Some people don't show any at all, which is a scary thing. And you're at your most infectious when you've just become positive. So that's something, you know, if you are going to get tested, always get tested, because if you've just got it in the past few weeks and you're going out having sex, that's when you're more likely to pass it on. Um, But yeah, some people do get really sick. It affects everyone so differently. I did get very sick. I was one of the unlucky ones. But not everyone's like that, so don't be fooled. If you haven't got the symptoms, you still need to get to tested, it. and it's just a little finger prick test. It takes ten seconds, and you get the results in minutes. So
0: really, I didn't know that. I've only had the like full blood test. Oh really? Yeah.
2: So if you go to, um, if you're in London, if you book yourself an appointment at Fifty Sixteen Street. They do the finger prick test, But they literally just take a tiny little bath from your fingertip, turn a bit of blood. Sorry, um, and get the, it. drops into like a little container, and they get the results. God, I think the most about five minutes, you wait, so you have you've got none of that panic of you know waiting a week or whatever.
0: Yeah, because uh, it's maybe it's the olden days now, but I've had a lot of blood tests in my time with my anxiety, and they always check for anaemia and all of this sort of stuff. So I've uh, so I've always ticked the extra box on the blood tests. But um, that's that's amazing that it's so easy as well. Why wouldn't you do it? So yeah, let's get everyone getting tested. Yeah. Um, And it's so nice that you found love now and that you're in a good place. Um, And do you think you, can you remember like a moment where you thought, I'm going to be okay. This is, I'm dealing with this. I've got the rest of my life to look forward to and I feel content.
2: Yeah. As I said, when I got off the plane in Miami, I was like, it's kind of like I've come full circle. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was sent home from a ship, but I did end up finishing that that ship, but it was only, like, four months left by the time I went back. And then I was like, I've gone back to that, even having, like, the worst time of my life. I went back, and I was healthy, and I was dancing, and I was having fun, and I was laughing again. I was being honest about myself, about my struggles, about who I am. People were respecting me. I was making people laugh. It was making me laugh. I was like, oh, my God, life is so good. Let's just make the most of it. Um... But yeah, like I have found love now, but like, you know, I found love within myself first. And I think that's so important Like to finally stop trying to find a validation and love from other people. Find it within yourself first and let the other be a bonus. Because it is, it's just a bonus. Because if you don't love yourself, how the hell anyone else can have?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rupert. <RuPaul>. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I think it's it's so nice to hear from you now that you've kind of, you're in a, a good place in a loving relationship. And I know marriage isn't for you. So you will never officially join the Divorce Club by getting divorced. But I'm very happy to have you uh, on the podcast now. And you're obviously a member of the Divorce Club, even though you yeah. not having-
2: Fully, yeah. Um,
0: where can people find you online and, and follow you and things
2: yeah so my insta is just nikki leslie um i do post stuff on there quite regularly about hiv or about mental health um there's more in depth about my story on there as well if anyone is keen to read it um, and if you go to the gmfa website i'm also on there talking in depth about hiv this video is on there for
0: me Amazing. And I, I definitely I'm gonna be going on that website and trying to educate myself more. And I feel like hopefully everyone who listens to this will do that as well. So you don't have to educate us all. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Um, but happy to anyway. <laughs> thank you so much, Nikki.
0: It's been so
2: great to talk to you. And you, thank you.
0: Oh hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one, or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on twitter and instagram at divorce pod and at samantha baines we have a website the dot and we have a patreon account which means the use